Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hi there, ladies. We are continuing our series, Life to the Full. Last session, we were talking about being filled with joy, filled with peace, filled with hope, and talking about how can we do these things when, you know, life is not really very joyful or hopeful. We do it by looking to Jesus, keeping our eyes on him. And I have a poem that I'd love to read to you today. Just a poem I wrote a few years ago about looking up. How can I do it? I have too much to do. I'm overwhelmed and feeling real blue. I'm stuck in this house like super glue. Don't look around. Look up. The dishes and laundry are piled up high. When I look round the house, I have to sigh. And for supper, my husband's expecting a pie. Don't look around. Look up. We can't pay the mortgage. Bill's overdue. I'm tired and have headaches. Not a few. These children are driving me crazy too. Don't look around. Look up. My husband comes home late, he doesn't care, doesn't help with the children, it's not fair. I don't want to smile, I just want to glare. Don't look around, look up. Take your eyes off your problems, look up to him. God's presence is with you even in the din. Confess your bad mood and he'll cleanse your sin. He is your God, look up. He will show you how to order your place. He'll give you direction as you seek his face. He wants to pour upon you his anointing of grace. He is your God. Look up. Keep your eyes fixed on him. He is your stay. He is your wisdom for problems each day. He will bring his presence right into your fray. He is your God. Look up. Each morning he comes as the refreshing dew to revive your body and your spirit too. He is your deliverer and he'll make you new. He is your God. Look up. Keep your eyes looking up, dear lovely mother. I want to share another scripture with you too before we go on to um, more points about being filled. And I found this scripture a while back and it really challenged me. It's found in Job 9, 27. And Job says, I will leave off heaviness. Now, What's it really saying? The word leave off means to relinquish, to forsake, to refuse. The commentary on the New English translation of the scripture says, it actually means I will abandon my face. Or another commentary says, I will rearrange my face. Wow, what's that talking about? 
Well, dear lovely ladies, many times we have to rearrange our faces. Sometimes we've got to abandon and relinquish and kind of write off the face that we have at this moment because our face is not showing a very nice face. And uh, many times we can feel heavy, down in the dumps, full of self-pity. We're, we're kind of, you know, feeling gloomy and, and just depressed. And so it shows on our face. As the Bible says, the show of thy countenance doth witness against thee. We reveal on our faces how we are feeling. But there is a secret, lady. I have proved this secret. It's a scriptural secret. And I want you to get a hold of it. We can rearrange our faces. If you have a downcast, grumbling, gloomy, sour face, you know what you have to do? You've got to change it. And you don't wait for your feelings before you change it. You change it by faith. You just get a hold of yourself and you put a smile on that horrible, grumbly, gloomy face. I beg your pardon, you say. How can I smile when I'm feeling so down and everything's going wrong around me? Dear ladies... This works. How you arrange your face will be how you end up feeling. And it will change your whole attitude. You see, when you take action to rearrange your face and put a happy face on and put a smile on your face, it begins to change the way you feel. And then that will change uh, just the atmosphere all around you. And that will change the atmosphere of the whole home and change the attitudes of your children. It is so powerful. But you have got to do it. You've got to take a step of faith. You've got to do things not according to your feelings, but by faith. This is how I have learned to walk over the years. I didn't start off like this. But I had to learn that my life does not consist of my feelings. But I live, as the Word of God says in Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So I take hold of God's truth, and I will live by that rather than live by my feelings. Because feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. Yes. So, do you think you could try a bit of this face rearranging? It really does work. Let me give you a few other translations, shall I? The Amplified says, I will put off my sad countenance and be of good cheer and brighten up. How about that? Yes, so you actually have to just put off. You've got to abandon your sad face and put on a good happy face and brighten up. The Common English Bible says, put on a different face. Oh, so I can smile. 
Yes, the Holman says, I will change my expression and smile. The ESV says, I will put off my sad face and be of good cheer. The Derby translation says, I will leave off my sad countenance and brighten up. The NCB says, I will change the look on my face. And so, dear precious mothers, have you ever tried it? Even when you feel lousy, you put a smile on your face. Oh, you don't feel like smiling, but you smile anyway. You put a smile on your face. Try it. It will change how you feel. It will change your attitude. It will change the atmosphere. And so get that smile going all the time. When you look at your children, smile at them. You see, lovely ladies, your children are going to be like what they see on your face. Just as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, unveiled face, behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, a change uh, into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold the Lord in worship, as we behold him in his word, we become more like him. And it's the same. Our children, they look at us all day and uh, they're going to be like what they see on our face. If you're frowning all day and you've got a sour look on your face and it is so sad because as I go around, I see many mothers with very, very, ooh, frowning, stern faces. Oh, I'm wondering where are their smiles? Help, if that's what their children see all day, what are their children going to be like? Are they also going to be sour and boring and frowning? But if you smile at your children and brighten up, they're going to smile. They're going to have bright happy faces too. Okay? Do you think you can take hold of that word? I hope you don't just listen to my podcasts. I hope that you also seek to put them into practice. Amen? Because I'm not giving you all these ideas. This is the word. I'm giving you the word. Well, let's carry on with life to the full. And we are up to, I think we're up to number eight. Better check. Let's see. Yes. Number, oh no. Yes, we are. We're up to number eight. God wants you to be filled with mercy and good fruits. We read about this in James, and uh, that's where it's talking about um, wisdom, the wisdom from above. James chapter 3, verse 17, and it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. There are seven uh, 
pillars of wisdom listed there, we go back to um, back to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter nine, verse one. It says, "Wisdom hath builded her house; she hath hewn out her seven pillars." Well, different commentators of the Bible have different ideas about what those seven pillars are. Um, I like to think of perhaps them being these seven pillars of wisdom that we build into our home. And uh, one of them is being filled with mercy and good fruits. Yes, good fruits. So, Let's be filled with that. Number nine, God wants you to be filled with assurance of faith. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Maybe in your past you have done things that you're ashamed of, you wished you had never partaken of, and maybe you still feel under condemnation of those things. But dear precious ladies, I want to remind you today that the blood of Jesus has power to wash you clean. When we come to Jesus, we repent of our sin and we receive his forgiveness and the washing of his precious blood, he forgives us. He completely washes us clean. I mean, the blood is, is powerful to completely wash you clean. Verse John 1. Uh, 7 says that um, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Totally cleansed. Amen. And uh, let's see. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the end uttermost some people like to say even the guttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them not only does he completely cleanse us and wash our sins away he remembers them never again once Jesus forgives us of our sin he forgets he never remembers our sin again we can read about that in Hebrews 8, verse 12. Never, ever remembered again. Psalm 103 uh, tells us that he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Whew, you can't get any further than that. It's just gone. And then do you remember how that on the Day of Atonement, the high priest uh, had to have two goats. They would bring two goats to him. One was a sin offering and one was a scapegoat. And so uh, one goat was slaughtered and the blood was shared and that blood the high priest would take into the 
holy of holies for his own sins and the sins of his family. And then he would take more blood in for the sins of the whole nation. And then he would come out and he would put his hand on the other goat's head. And this goat was alive. And he put his hand on the goat's head and confess over it all the sins and rebellion of the Israelites. And then they would choose a man. He had to be a very um, pretty fit man. And he would have to take this goat, run this goat way out into the wilderness, far, far away so that no one would ever see it again. And so this goat, it was just a picture and this goat took the sins of the nation of Israel and took them away so they would never be remembered again. They were completely lost and that goat was never to be ever seen again. And so the Bible gives us this amazing picture of how they will never be remembered again. And then in Isaiah, it talks about how our sins are blotted out like a thick cloud. And so... You can have full assurance of faith that your sins are forgiven, they're washed, they are forgotten, and they are never to be remembered again. That is full salvation. Amen? Isn't that good? So, now we're up to number 10. Is that 10? Yes, number 10. I've got to keep up with myself here. All right, number 10 is to be filled uh, with goodness, full of goodness. Romans 15, 14. Let's have a look at that. Romans 15. Can you believe, ladies, as we're going through this, how many things God wants us to be filled with? Whoa, wow. Can you imagine it? I mean, if only we could live according to the truth of God's word, to be just not just having a little bit, but filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with joy, with peace, with, with hope, with, with goodness, with righteousness, and, and with grace, and with truth, and we've still got more to go. It's amazing, isn't it? Okay, Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness. Isn't that beautiful? Full of goodness, just as God is a good God. So he wants us to be filled with goodness. Everything that God is, he wants us to have too. And what is in Jesus, in Jesus is all goodness. Well, we will have it because he dwells in us. And what he is, we have because of his dwelling in us. I may have shared this with you before. Philemon verse 7, uh, verse, Philemon verse 6. Yes, it's always been such a great blessing to me where it says that the communication of your faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you 
in Christ Jesus. And so this scripture is reminding us that every good thing that is in Jesus, all his goodness, all his joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all these beautiful good things, they're all in me because he is in me. That's the revelation of truth we have to get. And so we learn to live by the, the, the fullness of all these good things in us. 1 Peter 5.10 gives a description uh, of the way God wants us to live as women. And it talks about the woman who is filled with good works. These good works are embracing motherhood and uh, reaching out to the needy and opening up our home and hospitality and relieving the hurting and the afflicted. God calls them good works. And then in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, uh, where it tells the older women to teach the younger women, it tells them they are to be teachers of something. Do you know what it is? Oh yes, it, it enumerates the, the different things, but it calls all these different things something. Have you ever noticed? It calls them good things. They are to be teachers of good things. And what are these good things? How to love our husbands. How to love our children. How to be submissive to our husbands. How to be keepers at home. And so on. All these are good things. In fact, they are even more than that. The Greek word is kalos, K-A-L-O-S. And it literally means they are beautiful things, lovely things, beautiful to behold. And so, older ladies, if you are listening, God wants you to be a teacher of good, beautiful, lovely things. All the things to do with being married, being a mother, being in the home. And they are all good. We're to be filled with these good things. Next one, number 11. God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Colossians 1.9, that ye might be filled. Not just have a little bit. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Romans 15, 14 again says that ye also are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish and encourage one another. Filled with the knowledge of his will. We're only going to know that as we are in his word. What is his will? His truth. What he says in his word. So let's be women, let's be wives, mothers who know his word so we can be filled with all the knowledge of his will and 
not only for ourselves, but for our children so that we can teach them his ways. We need to know what is his will in this current uh, time in which we are living. I pray that prayer constantly um, of that testimony of the children of Issachar, one of the tribes of Israel, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel should do in this hour of deception, of tyranny, of lockdowns, of masking, of vaccinations, all these things that are being brought upon us, not for our health, but for tyranny, we must know what is going on and we must know God's mind. What does God want us to do? How is he wanting us to live in this hour? We've got to seek him. We've got to seek his word. We've got to be in prayer so we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. Number 12. God wants us to be filled with the blessing of the gospel. Romans 15, 29. I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Are we always ready to share the gospel? Or maybe we're not ready. That's challenging, isn't it? I find it very challenging because the Bible talks about being ready in season and out of season. Sometimes we can be all geared up when we're in season, but, oh, if it's out of season, if it's not kind of not, oh, well, we, we just don't do anything or we don't say anything, but we're meant to be always ready wherever we go to be filled with the fullness of the blessing of the gospel, to share it and to uh, be ready to give an answer uh, to those who ask us. Number 13. God wants us to be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 3.19 where Paul is praying this prayer and that they, the Ephesian believers, will know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, I find that so hard to comprehend and take in. But this is the will of God. This is knowing what his will is for us, that we will be filled with the fullness of God. Now, that can only be the life of Jesus Christ dwelling in us and allowing his life to live through us. Ooh, that's amazing, isn't it? Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't think we can really come to the fullness of Christ on our own. I believe it's something that we come to in a togethering and as a body, because as a body we're all fitly joined together to make this one whole, uh, to be filled 
with the fullness of Christ. That's why it is important to not hide away. It's important to gather together with the saints. It's important to have fellowship with one another. It's important to show hospitality to one another. It's important to pray for one another. It's important to encourage one another. It's important to help one another with our gifts and with our abilities and so on. There are so many one another's in the Bible uh, which will all help us to come into the fullness of Christ. Number 14. God wants us to be filled with praise. Psalm 71 8 says, Let my mouth be filled with praise and with thy honor all the day. Wow. Once again, what a challenge. We praise the Lord sometimes. We praise the Lord when something good happens. But are we filled with his praise? That's a challenge, isn't it? May the Lord help us to be filled with his praise. I love that beautiful old hymn. Um, that hymn, I wonder who wrote this hymn now. I think it was Horatius Bonner, I think. But it says, Fill thou my life, O Lord my God, in every part with praise, that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy ways, not for a lip of praise alone, nor e'en the praising heart, I ask, but for a life made up of praise in every part. Praise in the common things of life, its goings out and in. Praise in each duty and each deed, however small and mean. Fill every part of me with praise. Let all my being speak of thee. And of thy love, O Lord, poor though I be and weak. So shall no part of day or night from sacredness be free, but all my life. In every step, be fellowship with thee. So, that's a little encouragement and, uh, um, what would I say, challenge for us, isn't it? To be constantly filled with his praise. I was reading a book about a missionary uh, a while back, a missionary in Belize. And she has this little story in her book. And uh, someone who was very mad about her came and destroyed all her beautiful flower, belt, flower beds. They ripped out all the plants, they broke the rose bushes and they threw them on the path. And when this dear lady came home and she saw all this mess, instead of getting mad, what did she do? She just said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What are you doing Another person asked her. She said that she had read about saying, praise the Lord ten times before you say anything else, when something traumatic happens or something bad happens to you. And, and so you just say, praise the Lord ten times. And, and her friend asked her, does it help? Well, she said, at least it gives me time to reflect that for some reason God allowed this to happen to me. So 
maybe that's a little trick for you to try. All right, we've only got time for one more, um, I think, in this session. Number 15, God wants us to be filled with laughter. Isn't that a good one? Job 8, 20, 21 says, Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers, till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says, A feast is made for laughter. Well, we've all heard the phrase, haven't we? Laughter is the best medicine. Well, actually, it's not an old wives' tale. It has been proved medically. Laughing protects the heart. It relaxes the body, relieves stress, releases endorphins, and boosts the immune system, which, of course, improves our resistance to disease. So, very good to laugh. I actually wished myself that I laughed more. I can remember as a young person always laughing. Oh goodness me, I was so bad at laughing that it would be terrible because in church sometimes something funny would amuse me and I'd get giggling and I'd have to hold it in and then the the church seat, because we didn't have chairs in those days that we had the, the pew, and um, it would begin to kind of rock and then someone next to me, they would begin to laugh and we'd all be rocking with laughter. Oh, that is so disgusting and terrible. But anyway, it's so good to laugh. I think as we get older, we somehow the responsibilities of life get upon us and we don't laugh and giggle and, and uh, especially laugh, those that laugh that really gets your heart pumping and makes your whole insides jump up and down. I think that's when laughing is so good for you. So um, anyway, I love to laugh, but I love to laugh even more because it is so healthy. So seek to laugh. I mean, laugh when you're watching your children. It's wonderful to have children around you, isn't it? Because they do make you laugh. They do the craziest things. And because they're your children, you think they're amazing. And so you laugh at them. But it's good to laugh at your children. And, uh, you know, laugh at things that happen. Laugh when things go wrong. Uh, laugh at yourself. Laughing is contagious too. When you laugh, other people will laugh. I remember uh, traveling back from New Zealand uh, on one of my trips and um, I was reading a book. It was called The Sunburned Country by Bill Bryson. Bill Bryson is a writer who writes many uh, books of about travel and about different countries and this book was about Australia a really good book if you want to really find out about Australia read that book well there were some funny things in that and I was on the plane and I began to laugh it was so funny I couldn't even keep it into myself I was laughing out loud and just because I was laughing out loud other people around me started to laugh because it was contagious. It was amazing. Now, we also know the old adage, apple a day keeps the doctor away, but they also say a laugh a day keeps a heart attack away. So start laughing, ladies, and smiling, of course. 
If you're not laughing, at least smile. Smile. Oh, it will change your your whole attitude and it'll change your children and it will change the atmosphere of your home. Make your home a place of smiling and laughter. Okay, time to stop again. Dear Father, I thank you for all the precious mothers and wives and older mothers and uh, little children young children, young people, everyone who is listening today, I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your blessing of of joy and smiling and laughter. I pray, Lord, that you will give them the revelation that because you dwell in their hearts by faith, that you dwell in them in all your fullness and you want all the beautiful fruits of your spirit to to just fill them, Lord, and overflow them and bless their home and bless their children and bless their husband. Oh, God, I just pray for the blessing of the Lord to be upon every home and everyone that is listening in a very special way. In the name of Jesus, amen. People, we're not going to compromise compromise on the truth. Never, 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 never. But we're going to do it with grace and with love and compassion. And so we're filled with both. But where did time go? We're at the end of another session. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much. Again, we're always thanking you, Lord. I can't stop thanking you for your word, which is so filled with life and truth and and showing us the way to live. Lord, we do confess before you that we live so substandard to the way that you've planned for us and You've given us everything we need. You've come to dwell us by your spirit and fill us with all your beautiful fruits. Lord, we invite you to fill our lives and we will be filled with them. Lord, not just in a tiny bit, but filled to overflowing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 